Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, basketball season is almost here. Week. Uh, don't ask about the football program. Oh, wait, no, we have to talk about it for 40 minutes. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a it's a basketball season preview podcast we recorded with uh, James and Bobby. Um, that'll be up before this one, uh, just so everyone can get their basketball fix. Enjoy that a bit. Uh, but since the football season is still going, and since Dan and I love tormenting ourselves, as do many of you, uh, we'll be talking about the football team as well for uh, thirty to forty minutes, uh, because that's how this podcast has always done things, and we're not going to stop now. Yes, we are. As we always remind people, uh, the rare unicorn football first Syracuse fans uh, as was Sean who started the site because uh, it makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And, and, and you know, I guess that kind of launches me into a, uh, a tangent to start us where, you know, we have this, uh, this issue with how fans feel this year and how I feel even as a fan this year. Um, I, I, I think kind of hurts me more like this season hurts me more than other shittier seasons have hurt me. Um, if only because I start, I finally started defining college football by whether or not I would get enjoyment out of it from my team standpoint. And that's such a bad idea. Like if you're not a fan of Alabama or Ohio state or a couple others, it's just such a miserable idea to do that when you're so, so, so much better off just telling yourself that like, I'd love for my team to win, but I'm not going to base my enjoyment of this season on whether or not they do because it's a rarity that it actually happens. So now that I like, accidentally last season turned myself into a fan that actually sits around and and bases my happiness on wins and losses now this season hurts so much more for the first half but then i stopped doing that now and now i feel a whole lot better again so it's it's pretty good i'm glad i like college football again yeah i mean i i definitely enjoyed watching uh the you know beginning of uh ohio state wisconsin and then the craziness from oklahoma uh kansas state more than i enjoyed watching syracuse florida state um i'm kind of with you like this year to start has been just so demoralizing and a lot of that is because of the season we had last year if we had won you know six games last year and we came in knowing there was like going to be this big step back in these areas uh worse than than we could have imagined that like offensive line even if that was like a spot we flagged coming into the season that's one thing but Coming off of a 10-win season, and, and we acknowledged that, like, it was 10 wins, but it was, you know, scheduled, and you know, the the metrics probably saw it as more of, like, an 8-win team. That's fine. That happens all across college football. You don't take away the, the actual 10-win number. Um, so, like, the, the, the expectations that brought, where it seemed like we were finally out of this hole, um, really makes this one rough. Like, I, you know, my first year at Syracuse was Greg Robinson's last year. I knew they were terrible. They were terrible. Okay. Uh, Marone's first year, like, obviously we had to dig out of the hole. Kind of like, I mean, Marone's first year and, and Baber's first year felt very similar. Um, you knew the team wasn't going to be great. You thought maybe there was a chance they would find, like, a bowl game in, like, a really, you know, incredible uh, sits-win season. But, you know, you, they won four games both the years, if I'm remembering correctly. And you saw the steps being taken forward. Even last season, like, you know, we would have hoped for a winning season in year 200 Babers, but you should still see the progress and you understood the role that injuries played and whatnot. Um, this year, even if it's not crazy that we're taking a step back, something we acknowledged coming into the season, it's just like how things have looked are so radically different from even those first two 
four and eight years under Babers where like you could see the progress, you could see the vision. Um, and, and I think part of that is because last year was so good, but also like, it just seems like things are, are more unhinged than they have been. Like the, those first two, four and eight years were a coming out of like the hold the Schaefer you dug us into, but also there were like a ton of injuries and, and other like factors that were hard to, you know, that, that you baked into it. Um, this year, like there have been injuries, but they haven't been like crazy, crazy ones. Obviously, if we, you know, maybe if we had Heckle and McKinley Williams back, or if Devito wasn't banged up, like maybe we find another win somewhere. But like ultimately, I think the issues are are like within the team that are, and they're they're, you know, not explainable by things beyond our control, and that's really disappointing. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, and I think you know, for for me, like this has been like twenty twenty fourteen was a rough season. Because like anyone who like bought into Schaefer and being like a great continuity hire and stuff, like then just had such a rude awakening, like on day one where you just knew like that season. Yeah. Like, like like you knew immediately, like the season was going to hell. Um, We didn't know immediately the season was going to hell, but I feel like the Liberty game gave us a lot of signs. Yeah. The problem Uh, is it was like, it was a weird road game and like an opener. Um, so you could like understand where you'd have like a weird, you know, that could have been a weird game and you would have, you could have gone on to be fine. Um, we still won 24, nothing. So yeah, a lot of what we saw was really indicative of what we would see going forward. And honestly, like it, it's, it's almost weird that we won the Western Michigan game as easily because Western Michigan looks like a, you know, they, they could, I, I don't know how to stand in front of me. Like they might win the match. They, they look like a decent group of five. And the fact that we ran away in that one was like, actually really encouraging and then to fall back the way we have is just like just so troublesome um and it doesn't help that like the acc is really bad but like the one regard in which the acc is good is like defensive lines everywhere uh that would uh, i wish that wasn't the case but um there's still it's 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 tough and it's tough because i feel like we both you know we we've both been critical of the team and how they played and there's nothing else to do either three and five and they look like trash most weeks but still trying to be reasonable and understand that, like, if, like, you can't just throw away Dino Babers after one bad year. I, I think the problem I, I have um, is, like, you see people who are, and it's a, it's a minority that have called for Babers to be fired. There's, like, a handful maybe. But you see that, and then it's, like, does he, so he got us out of the Schaefer mess. He got us to 10 wins, which was way more than anyone expected in year three, however you thought it would go. Um, he obviously deserves to get himself out of his own hole. He hasn't made any major staff changes. He's made a couple hires here and there. He lost to Mike Lynch, which is big because I think Mike Lynch is really good. Um, I, he absolutely deserves Jealous. to figure this out. But um, it, it's it's unfortunate because you think he would be the type of coach that would start to figure it out mid year. And I just every week it seems like we're we're kind of running in circles and have the same issues. Um, and that's something that having an awful offensive line does. Uh, it, it's hard to just fix, uh, but it, you know you still would hope that a coach who is so well regarded, who I still think is a really good coach, would would find something after after eight games, and it just doesn't seem like we've done it. Yeah, I mean, you started to see glimmers of it against Florida State when we were utilizing the screens, but then teams started, you know, staying like having the corners play close um, to to sniff those out. Um, we started running the ball a little bit better. I think once teams started doing more of that, um, I think obviously, you know, once Florida state can put that game away, the running game definitely opened up a ton. Um, so it's kind of tough to, to extrapolate out what was like an 190 yard plus day on the ground, um, as anything, I mean, 
I wouldn't say it's nothing because I still think we ran the ball better than we have in weeks. Um, it's just tough to extrapolate it out um, to the full extent of that 190 yard plus effort. Um, given how like the first half did really go pretty rough, despite the fact that it again, quote unquote, looked better. Um, I think again, there, there were flashes of things that could work going forward. And there's things that like maybe Babers is trying out. Um, and I said this on Twitter too. And like, I, I kind of had a mixed reaction between like, um, Hey, go kill yourself. And, uh, the better reaction of, Hey, yeah, this is fairly reasonable. I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but I think that there's some pieces there. Like they, they, there's definitely a lot of, um, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of things happening that I don't think should be happening with a, with a team that's still fairly experienced and a staff that's fairly experienced. Um, and the play calling has been pretty man. I think really um, something that probably should be looked into a little bit. And maybe this starts coming up as the season wears on um, is, you know, the impact of Sean Lewis departure on, on the play calling and how that's really affected uh, Syracuse. I think that SU's gotten a little less aggressive over the last two years on since Lewis left for Kent state. Uh, I think that there's, there's not necessarily the same flow. I think Dungey uh, did do a little bit of rescuing some of the play calling last year. And now this year, he's not here to to kind of cover that up. I, I'm definitely, definitely not loving uh, the, the, the lack of change. I think Babers has never been a coach that, that necessarily changes all that much. I think he's, you know, fairly stuck in, 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 in certain ways. And, and when you're winning, nobody cares. Um, when you're losing, unfortunately, people care a lot. And, you know, um, between the penalties, and I know I wrote that article last week about SU being one of the 10 most penalized teams in the last 10 years, um, that's excruciating. And, and the fact that it's continued over like multiple 10 years is insane. Um, there's just the fact that, you know, we're not, we're, we're not making those adjustments. We're not necessarily, we're not necessarily trying to find other things that work and just, we're just doing the same things that, that aren't. Um, is, is definitely headache inducing. Um, you know, fans can kind of sit there and say this is a lost year, um, but it's a lot tougher for, you know, to, to kind of see it on the field um, from a staff. And I don't think we're there yet, but I think there's some like small little like signs of things where we're just like not necessarily trying anything new. So therefore like what, I would just wonder like, what's what's the next step? And this isn't me like getting on any sort of, like anti Babers train. I think he's going to figure it out. I just, I'm just starting to wonder if he's not going to figure it out in season. And we're going to have to wait until next season to see like the other end of that. It's very possible. I think I'm encouraged. And I said this after the Ryan Alexander news broke the, the initial news, not the like he disappeared and Babers is obviously very pissed about it news. Um, but if we're going to go down, I'd rather go down seeing like what Bergeron, what, uh, your your Patrick Davis is your your young lineman can do because it was so bad already. There's no real use in running a transfer redshirt senior out there uh, doing a at best like marginally better job than your true freshman can do. And honestly, like I I wasn't able to watch it as closely. Uh, Steve on the side who Bergeron looked better. Yeah, like it it looked better from what I could tell. And then Steve rewatched. He said it looked better. Um, yeah, I mean, even if it was the same, I think you, the win there is you're getting offensive lineman experience. We've had this in years past where we've had rough offensive lines, and then two years later, you're like, oh, all these guys have 24 to 36 starts under their belt. All of a sudden, like, these guys who are getting beat up are now really good. I, that doesn't work 100% of the time. And uh, obviously, like, this year, the offensive line's, like, lack of experience was kind of a misnomer. Um, it wasn't a super experienced offensive line, but there were, like, three or four guys with pretty consi- uh, uh, significant starts under their belt, which makes it more disconcerting. Um, 
But still, like, if we can start to move those guys into position uh, to gain that experience, if we're, we're going to lose and get roughed up anyway, like, I think you do it. Um, so that's a positive. Um, I do think you saw some better offensive uh, things overall in the second half. Unfortunately, it was after we were down 35 to 3. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I hope that in this last, like, uh, quarter of the season, you know, whether or not we, we somehow make a bowl or whatever at this point, like you just hope to see like encouraging things moving forward, kind of like you saw in the first two years. And that's not what you want out of your fourth year coming off a 10 win season, but you kind of have to make the best of it, I think. Um, and there's plenty to address. Like I, I would love to get like an actual, I would love to just hear more from Babers too. I understand what he started, but like, I just think fans would appreciate if, if we heard from him, um, you know, Here's why DeVito has looked shaky. Here's why the you know wide receivers aren't gaining or who almost all played big minutes last year aren't gaining separation. Um, you know, offensive line, someone say something. Um, and instead, like you go in the other direction, which is like what 99% of college football coaches do. So I get it. But uh, the fact that like there's no one that on the ground who's really like, hey, here's what's up. I think it's making it harder because it's just like we went from 10 wins to like a month in oh my god we're bad and it's it's hard to like really gain glean any information from the outside when things are so tight uh buttoned up um so yeah it's it's just been it's been rough um i i'm holding out hope that like you know this weekend of a, a winnable game at bc we're actually favored to, on the open uh we'll see how the the, the line goes but at least from the start people uh were getting a very slight home field advantage um, hopefully some people show up, uh, BC is banged up, uh, their the quarterbacks out, et cetera, et cetera. They just got whooped by Clemson worse than we did. Um, but it's hard to like be super encouraged just be, because we just haven't, uh, it's weird. You haven't like looked competitive and then we end up like in these games kind of the, the pit game, the NC state game. Um, but when your offense is just so anemic and you're we're forcing the defense to pitch shutouts in the second half, it's, it's just not a sustainable way to go about like even staying in games. So. Yeah, I mean, a win over BC, I think, would, would calm people down a lot where it's like, all right, we're not the absolute worst team in the ACC, but it's hard to, like, it's another team with a decent front that's going to give us problems, so it's it's really tough to, to get super optimistic. Yeah, I mean, not to skip to the end, but I'm definitely, like, a little more bullish on the uh, on the SU versus BC game, um, and, and I think I'd probably fall in line somewhere with Vegas um, at the moment. I, I think that, yeah, like the secrecy, like you mentioned, is, is something that people are fine with as long as you're winning, just like the lack of adjustments. Um, people are kind of fine with as long as you're winning, um, like most things in, in sports. I think once you start losing, a microscope comes out a little bit more. I think that like in general, there's just, you know, it's, it's what we've basically been saying all episode. That there's just this malaise that, that's kind of set in from the fan base. I think players are obviously frustrated. Um, I, I, I think, I don't think this is one of the worst teams in the ACC. I think you're seeing, again, I think you saw this past week, you're starting to see some of the signs of things coming around. Um, uh, it just needs everybody on board. I think the defense, despite, you know, really getting like kind of torched by, uh, Cam Akers and, and really wasn't just Cam Akers. I mean, that line absolutely manhandled our defensive line, which sucks, um, from a like aesthetic standpoint. Also, like something because, that on paper it shouldn't happen. Just Florida State's off the Yeah, because like Florida State's year, um, still bad. It's not. Yeah, it's not amazing. And like it looks like that looked bad in the amount of holes. And like that's not just on the linebackers. I know it's like a, you know a frequent complaint of mine about the linebacker play, but 
the line itself, I mean, was opening up huge holes, uh, which again, unfortunate and really bad against Florida state's really bad offensive line. Um, but I think too, like some of these things were working. It's just that we have the issue where, uh, like you and I said at the beginning of the season, um, if we don't have DeVito, we're kind of screwed a quarterback. And that's been the case. Like Clayton Welch looked good, serviceable, um, without any real game tape on him, you know, um, against Pitt. And that's probably not going to repeat itself. I mean, it's kind of the Mahoney phenomenon. Like, you know, Mahoney was like, what, one in 10 as a starter and everybody holds him up like a deity. And like, he was a, he was a great player, great ambassador for the university. Um, he holds a lot of records from that random pit game. Um, he was fun to watch at times, but by and large, like he just has a weird legacy um, that doesn't really match the results in the field. And like, I felt like everyone had already kind of like jumped in on the Mahoney bandwagon um, for Welch here. And, and that's, that's, it does a disservice to him because then if he goes out in the field and does poorly, then everyone just like, you know, just starts shitting on him like they do everybody else that they DFI um, at the beginning. I, I just, my big problem is though, like, this is where I'm not, I don't, I don't think you necessarily want to, to put David Summers on the field, but if Tommy's too hurt to make these throws, um, because really like a lot of the, there were a lot of big plays potentially out there for us. And uh, Tommy just missed on some balls like really bad and just, and, and you saw some of it in the NC state game. I saw it when, when SU was uh, kind of closer to where I was sitting um, down at Raleigh, like Tommy's back foot was going up a little bit. He was, he was definitely overthrowing a bit. Um, he's definitely compensating for whatever upper body injury um, he's been suffering through. Um, I think that that's definitely affecting his ability to really, you know, put the proper touch um, early fire in uh, passes uh, where they need to. And you're definitely seeing a lot more inaccuracy um, as the season's gone on from him. So I think that's part of it, but that's also starting to derail what could have been a more effective offense. Like he didn't look great, but he made some better decisions at times and he helped pick up some key yardage um, and actually like ran a lot more than probably we wanted him to. But I do think that if he was hundred percent, um, that offense would have looked a lot different. Um, we would have had some big plays. I mean, last few games, like SU's come out, I think with the right approach and being aggressive and, and trying to go downfield and we're just not connecting. Um, I, I think, I think DeVito's injury hurts, uh, probably more than we, than we realize, but it also speaks to just the lack of depth, um, at quarterback that, you know, and the same lack of depth most teams have, um, that, that we don't have another option who could potentially complete these passes. Um, and, and, and that's, that I think is the bigger issue right now than that, than all of the play calling logistics that I think there's some bad play calls in there, but I've thought that for the last four years, that there's always some questionable decisions. I do think that really if DeVito was, was healthier, I think we could have at least pulled off one win in the last three and and things would feel a lot different right now. Yeah. It's tough too, because um, I think Tommy was turning a bit of a corner, like right when he got hurt. Um, You saw like, better throws he wasn't doing the stupid like the stupid run to the sideline interception game that he led the season with for the first three weeks like I think there was something going on there um where you could kind of see better play from him and then he gets hurt and he's clearly laboring through it so I don't definitely don't want to pin everything on Tommy um it it is an open question like is this something that worse if he keeps on getting hit you know seven like getting hit probably double digit times a game being sacked seven times a game um like are we doing him a disservice by running him out there? I honestly don't know. I'm, I think our best chance to win is with Tommy DeVito. Um, now, ideally healthy. Uh, Welsh, like, 
he might give us a like a gritty effort and I, I you know it's pretty natural to see like the Zach Mahoney thing but we also didn't win a lot of games with Zach Mahoney in and like for every pit game where he like lit the scoreboard up we he'd have like 100 passing yards and like would that's you know run for a touchdown or something and have like decent moments and our defense would keep us in it um but I do think people are kind of rewriting history there like we won four games both those seasons where he was heavily involved and Dungey was the much better player. So, um, yeah, like if it's, if it's for the best, like if, if we're risking DeVito's long-term health and, and it's going to be like a, a major issue, like, yeah, I think you put Welsh in and just like take your lumps and, and say, you know, we're not going to put our starting quarterback in a position to like get long-term injured or, which, you know, I know that's uh, kind of funny hearing from Syracuse people considering what our last quarterback's uh, career was like, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, it's just – it's it's tough to know. And, and I do think uh, it's like one of those unfortunate things where it, it's harder to, like, just chalk it up to an injury when the guy's out there playing. Like, if DeVito was out, I almost feel like people would be like, well, that sucks. We lost our quarterback for the year. It's really disappointing, but what can you do? And the fact that he's played in every game – has almost uh, made it more difficult for people to swallow, and I, I do get that. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't want to make it seem like I'm pegging this on Devito either. Um, I, I think that Devito's played it as, as well as he can in, in, in certain respects, but yeah, I, I do think that the injury is definitely hampering him, and I'm not even holding him accountable for that. I'm holding the line accountable for that. Um, and, and like I said, I think you know, unfortunately, we don't have the QB depth to to deal with it in a different way but he's definitely been getting teed off on all season and it's definitely affecting his ability to throw that's not necessarily his fault but a reality that we live in um dan why don't we take a quick break for halftime um and we're back so uh why don't we talk a little bit about beer what have you been drinking um not as much as i probably needed to after that game saturday but i did have um some Southern Tier Pumpkin earlier in the week, which is everywhere now, uh, a far, far fly from like when, you know, uh, Lancaster Market would get like a couple bottles and they would fly off the shelf and you couldn't find it. And also you were a college student and it was like expensive. So you shouldn't always buy it in general. Uh, now it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the city. Um, so I finally broke into the actual pumpkin this week. Um, I had some Treehouse, which is always a treat. I was uh, up uh, at home in New England, um, had some super treat by them um which is one of their very many many really good ipas uh and then had some bright half uh from half full brewing uh in my hometown of stanford just a you know solid uh solid drinkable uh regular ale so um yeah just not not a crazy week also had some other non-beer spirits to go uh with the post team uh not celebrating but i don't even know what to call i i, I you know was with people who didn't care at all so they, Post-game we, commiseration. Um, yeah, I was trying to put it out of my mind completely. Uh, so I went and had some sake and some other things. Fun times. Fair enough. Um, on my end, I had uh, some Imperial Pumpkin Porter from Epic Brewing. Uh, I had from Topa Topa Brewing up in Ventura County. They had their uh, yeah had their Novo Sobo set. Uh, it was the same beer brewed with hops from the Northern hemisphere and then two uh, from the Southern hemisphere. Um, interesting. Cause the beers did taste uh, pretty different, um, but in a good way. Enjoyed them both. Um, also had a bottle of consecration from Russian river. Um, had some happy hops from Russian river as well. 
And that was it. Not a like a long list, but uh, definitely enjoyed a few and some new ones on there. Nice. We are we are definitely fully in fall with all the pumpkin everywhere. Indeed, yeah. I've definitely seen a bunch um, out there, and I'll be. Uh, I'm sure I'll be having more. I just I had seen I hadn't seen at my uh, the, the most convenient shop near me, uh, the Epic Brewing Pumpkin, but uh, I saw this at like a more specialty place, like 20 minutes away. So felt like I had to grab a bottle and uh, it's no pumpkin, but it's, it's passable enough substitute in an area that doesn't get it. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of good pumpkins out there now, so it's, it's not hard to find uh, at least like a passable one. And then there are some that are just not very good, but I feel like, I feel like we're, we're batting at a higher, a higher level than we, uh, we were even like five years ago where, you know, a lot of the pumpkins are just like, uh, just really blessed. But now I feel like most are, are pretty solid overall. Yeah, I feel like the ones that suck kind of like have faded. Um, yeah. And then we're now... Like not even... we're, yeah, like they just don't even end up on the shelf and it's it's actually good. Yeah, which is fine. Speaking of not fine, though, uh, <laughs> Boston College, their, uh, their defense in particular. Um, it's been the calling card of the Adazio uh, regime that a quality defense full of future NFL players uh, was out there uh, doing some solid work, looking impressive enough. Um, and this year's team is not that. They, uh, they just got stomped into hell by, uh, by Clemson that had nothing to do with uh, Anthony Brown not being in. And I, I, I maybe foolishly have a lot of hope for Syracuse in this game, but just want to point that out in the onset. Yeah, I mean – BC is just kind of like going under the radar, I think, with how poor the season has gone for them. Um, but it is weird to see like a defense, like their offense is actually ranked 30th in SP plus, in SP plus which is wild. Um, obviously, that does not take into account that Brown's out and only takes into account the results since he's been out. Um, but their, their defense is ranked 102nd. Their special teams are ranked 104th. If you're looking for the pathway to a Syracuse win here, our special teams remain pretty damn good overall. You know the 46 yard midfield goal aside from last week, um, so yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a strange like it's funny that the, finally Adazio gets like an offensive system that kind of works and his defense just like the the bottom falls out. Yeah, that's uh, I mean like you and I when we previewed uh, the Atlantic Division, we saw a path for BC to kind of like struggle a little bit on defense. I don't think we saw this though, which is just like again. Good for us because it could mean a win here. Um, obviously, like Kansas was able to get past them, but then BC was able to like you know hang with NC State, and and that was something that we largely couldn't do for most of the evening down in Raleigh. Um, BC's front has only allowed eight sacks so far this year, which is like great to see uh, because that's obviously going to help us out. Considering our biggest weakness uh, is the offensive line to date. Um, I don't necessarily delude myself into thinking we're going to have uh, 480 plus yards, you know, against BC the way that other BC opponents have had this year. But um, I, I think that we definitely stand a better chance um, that we have against any other opponent um, in, in the ACC uh, to put up some, some, you know, quality statistics, maybe keep DeVito off his back and, uh, and actually look passable. Uh, as an offensive attack, even if it means only just like topping 30 just to get this team some more confidence um, after a rough, you know, few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I would totally sign for that. Just a win, I think, would be huge for kind of everyone involved. Um, I think the players should definitely use it. I think the fan base would absolutely use it. 
Um, I don't think PC is very good. They're four and four. Uh, I expect them to keep on tumbling. We, we talked about the crazy end of the season that they have coming up um, with Pitt looking pretty good uh, and like a legit coastal contender. Uh, that makes it even more difficult. Something we didn't see at season, the uh, beginning of the season. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I think it's, it's probably the most winnable game we have left. And if we're going to make this late run at the bowl, like it's, it's absolutely necessary. Um, I think we need our defense to come out hot, like to start, like we've had this thing where we've, we've given up points early and then we've locked down. And obviously if you shut out teams in the second half, like we did a couple times in these losses, like ultimately that should be good. That should be good enough when you're holding teams to like 20 or fewer points. But um, with BC, like you don't want to let them just get the ball to AJ Dillon and, and pound and pound the rock. You want to make them try to beat you with their, uh, with their quarterback and with Brown out, like, I don't have a ton of trust in uh, – I mean, I don't know. Are they running out Grizzell? Is he still going to be the quarterback throwing 35% completions? I kind of struggle. Probably. Yeah, I mean, if, if – yeah, they don't really have any other options. Yeah, I, I mean, there's this uh, – there's one other kid who's through for four four passes. Uh, I believe it's three of them, which is uh, a higher percentage than uh, Grizzell has. He's 21 for 60 on the year. Uh, with three touchdowns uh, and a pick and 4.8 yards of attempts, not good at all. Um, yeah, so if we can get the ball in his hands, like it's going to do a, a world of good for us. Um, we'll see, because like, our defensive line has been mostly good this year, but we, we talked about it before. Florida State's offensive line, which has not been very good, pushed us around pretty well. BC's offensive line is better than that. Um, if they can establish a run, it, it could be uh, a pretty long day. Yeah, I think in general, like, there's there's obviously less issue with you know just letting them pass on us because realistically like they they can throw the ball all day and it's not really going to matter um yeah they might be able to pick up a key third down here and there but um i think our defensive backs are, are good enough that you know if, if bc's forced to pass it's going to go very poorly um i think the cam Akers experience last week showed us you know just how susceptible we are still without mckinley williams in to uh to those big runs so for me like I'm kind of worried, especially from our linebacker standpoint, about being able to fill those gaps and, and to stop A.J. Dillon. I mean, I know Dillon's been already running to the ground this year, um, as any BC back is under Steve Adazio. But I, I think that, you know, Dillon does seem up to the task. I, I think he's somebody who, you know, is a really you know hard runner, is a very good runner. Uh, he's someone who can do something very similar behind a better offensive line. You know, that's what Cam Akers did. I hope, though, that, that SU – for once, just does sell out against the run, though. I mean, I'm talking stacking seven or eight in the box and just daring Dylan to get past that group because, to me, that's how you, that's how you engineer a win is you you do that, you you force them to pass a little bit, and the offense obviously you know just takes care of business. If those things can happen, if you can if you can keep Dylan contained to some extent and and then just make things happen on offense, you know you, you have a pretty good shot to win here. I think you know while, while Cam Akers in the running game were why Flor- were the big reason why Florida State won. They they didn't necessarily they weren't the nail in the coffin uh, for Syracuse, but I felt like what there was um, the fact that you know they had this these kind of gimmicky offenses they were trying out mid game that SU was ill prepared for uh, the fact that they were able to extend the field uh, extend the passing game downfield um, quite a bit and exploit uh, you know SU's corners a little bit um, those are both factors that Boston College is not going to have and and even still like. You know, until late in the second quarter, like SU was still very much in that game. They were even still in the game at halftime, really. But 
you know, SU was very much in that game for, for, for a lot of time, despite the fact that Cam Akers was kind of running wild on SU's defense at the beginning. So uh, for me, I, I think we've seen some of the blueprint for, for how they can still let Dylan get some of his yards. Um, and as long as the offense does their part, which they didn't really do uh, on Saturday and haven't done for the past few weeks, um, as long as they, the, the offense can do its part and at least put up, you know, 27 to 30 points, um, that could be enough for, for SU to pull off a much-needed win here. Yeah, like, generally speaking, like, I feel like we've done a pretty good job historically against these Belltown Boston College running backs. Um, and the type of runner that Akers is always troubles me or worries me more than the type of runner that Dylan is, um, especially when BC is so one-dimensional. You can hopefully stack the box, run blitz, do whatever you can to just get hit, get them off schedule, get them in the second and eighth and third and sevens, and, and then they're forced to throw the ball, and that's just not going to go well for them. Um, so we'll see. I, I I think we've done pretty well against these types of backs uh, over the last, like, I mean, since we've been in the league with eight, with BC. Um, so if that continues, like, and, and DeVito can, can get some things going and looks healthier than he has been, you know, there's reasons to think Syracuse to stay in this game and, and, and pull out a win here at the Dome. Um, but, you know, Earlier in the year, we, we, we definitely felt more confident about this one. And uh, you can really diagram up a BC win here as well, unfortunately. Um, though I think this one's more of a toss-up than we, than we think, especially if those kind of like slight offensive line progressions from the Florida State game can continue. And, and uh, you know, Bergeron and Davis uh, can really start to make a bit of a difference. Like, and, and DeVito starts to into rhythm and, and can find some guys more uh, frequently than you know, hopefully we get something going here, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not, I would say optimistic, but uh, just taking things like game by game at this point, you know, I, I think uh, a win here would, would be good just to like make sure we're not going and losing out. Like, I think that would be really rough. And if we can just pick up a couple here, even if we, if we clawed back to five and seven at this point, like it wouldn't be great, but at least you, you'd say like, Oh, they figured some things out. And, and next year, hopefully we, we really rectify the offensive line situation and maybe shuffle some things up and make some necessary changes and to move forward versus like finishing at three and nine, I think would be really, really tough to swallow. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I, I think, you know, not to get into this conversation, but I think at bare minimum, I think Mike Cavanaugh has gone. Um, I think some other things need to change in the offensive line staff and just the offensive staff in general, um, as SU kind of figures out and start plotting a course for, you know, what year five and, and, and changes for, Medino Babers here. Um, uh, Dan, what do you think uh, the effect might be of the, uh, I think it's still planned, um, random wear another team's jersey game that uh, the SU's uh, student section uh, w- will be throwing on Saturday? I mean, it, are there going to be students there? <laughs> like, uh, but, but, but in theory. In theory, it's really stupid. It's It's like, root for a team that's not the one you're going to, to, to support game. Like that's just dumb. And, and it would always bother me when kids would do that just like on their own. When you saw, you know, you're at the dome and some kid rolled up to his first game of the season in a, uh, you know, a Tom Brady. Jersey. Definitely a Red Sox hat. Uh, God. Yeah. Unless the only one who I'm going to allow is Buddy Beheim because Buddy Beheim can do no wrong. Um, if he wants to roll in a Tom Brady Jersey, uh, I'll, I'll allow it. Um, I think he knows better, and I think everyone should know better. Wear orange uh, to the damn Syracuse game. Do not wear your home NFL team's jersey. It just looks so Bush League, and it's just like 
it's presenting everything that like you hope that Syracuse can try to get away from and like, oh, they're just, you know, really they're not college fans. They're all from, you know, these northeastern cities. They support they they care in, uh, so much more about those teams than they do about their alma mater. And like that may be true, um, but it's like the type of thing that you're trying to move past and saying like come wear your your cc sabathia jersey to the syracuse football game is just like the dumbest thing in the world to me not as dumb as the like frat day or whatever got canceled but but up there in terms of at least like pure aesthetics yeah definitely looking forward to 70 or 80 uh tommy brady jerseys um out in the stands so uh yeah let, let, let's definitely keep an eye on that on uh, on acc network yeah is this our, this our first acc network in a few weeks um We've asked. Yeah, we've been there in a while. Yeah, we had a weirdly like good TV run of unfortunate uh, games that people actually had to see. Yeah, we uh, we had three straight national tele- nationally televised games. Uh, we we have knock on wood yet to be tossed onto uh, ACC Network Extra, uh, which is not something most teams can say. I think even Clemson's been tossed there, to be honest. Um, it, it's just weird. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to hopefully just staying on national TV all season. Yeah, I don't even know, like, what, what's the deal with that? Is that? That's being phased out, right? Like, that's part of the whole deal. No, uh, that is not being phased out. We are, So, ACC Network Extra is going to be the, like, streaming-only version of ACC Network, but only for ACC Network subscribers. Um, the Raycom thing somehow reared its ugly head back into the mix. I'm not really sure how or why, but it's still there. Yeah, like... Wasn't that the whole point? <laughs> like, shouldn't we just have an ACC network too? Yes, like the Big Ten does. Um, and yeah, I don't really get it. Yeah, I, I don't understand what we're doing there. But I'm, I'm the 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 Raycom focused nepotism down there knows no bounds. Um, Dan, why don't we just wrap up here? Uh, what do you see happening on 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 Saturday between Syracuse and Boston College? Um, I feel like I've been more pessimistic in the state, ahead of the game than you have. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way. I mean, if I can't predict a Syracuse win in this one, I don't know that I'm trying to predict a Syracuse win for the rest of the season. So uh, I will go a very narrow cover. Um, I'll go Syracuse 31-28. I buy that. I'm gonna go Syracuse 34, BC 30. Um, I think teams play pretty even for the first half, and I think SU finds a way to you know slow down AJ Dillon by the time he hits his 55th carry. Um, and Syracuse hits enough field goals late to uh, to eke out the win. The all field goal offense. Let's do it. I wouldn't put it past this group. Uh, <laughs> in, in any <laughs> Dan, any other parting thoughts for for the week before we uh, we venture out into the brave unknown of what happens if we lose? Uh, is it really that brave and unknown? I, I think I think we've been here. We just didn't expect to be here this year. Um, no, I hope everyone just like kind of keeps the faith. Stay like, just stay reasonable in your in your like assessments of things. Um, please stop harassing John and I on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> whatever else, uh, it's just like it, it sucks. Everyone's disappointed, but we will like live to see another day here. Um, Babers is not being fired. I Babers to lose every other game this year. He's not being fired. So let's like have a little bit of faith in him to turn this thing around, whether it's it's this fall or next year. But hope for the best you know there's still plenty of football ahead of us and uh we can't write everything off yet we're only at three and five yeah it is amazing how uh people like us are responsible for when babers fails but 
the, the pro shaver crowd is not responsible for when he failed. It's a, it's an odd dynamic that I'll never really uh, crack the nut of necessarily. <laughs> yeah. And also whisper, whisper, we were the pro shaver crowd until it became very, very clear. He wasn't the guy. And then we became the non shaver crowd. Um, as of now, favorites is far from crossed that Rubicon because he won 10 damn games last year. Exactly. <laughs> and on that note, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy Nunes and absolute podcast. You can rate review, subscribe on iTunes, on megaphone, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, Overcast, which is what I use, uh, tons of other places, and go orange.